Holy mama! <laughs> it's back. Welcome to the Pure Joy Project. My name is Paul Lanigan. My name is Daniel Reed. And you haven't heard us together in multiple months. That is if you listen to every episode faithfully. But I'm not asking you to do that. So I'm hoping that you've heard us. But um, yes, you haven't heard a new episode from us together in months. And the college semester just wrapped up. Um, so here we are. Hoping to present the word of God at a submitted heart in a way that we understand. Gosh darn it. All right, Daniel. Give me your month synopsis. Gosh, it's a long time. Yeah, for real. Um, school. Finished relatively strong. Did all right. Um, I counted up. I had seven papers over the last two weeks of school that are, which summed up to about 50 or so pages mm. of writing. Um, it was a blast. I loved it. I love writing papers. It just gets you know tedious after you know page forty or so. Uh, what else? Yeah, been spending time in the Word. Finished Matthew yesterday. That's been awesome. I started Leviticus. Um, mm. and that's been it's been really interesting. Just reading through what God has given the Levites and commanded them to do through Moses. Give me and some Torah, I've baby. Loved reading through that, bro. Absolutely. Pentateuch. Come on. Yeah. You know, first part of the Tanakh um, is the Torah. You get a little, little Hebrew Bible trivia on you. Um, but yeah, that's been, it's been really cool. I'm home now from Springfield. I'm in Illinois and loving that, getting to see my family. Tomorrow's my birthday. Um, I mean, Paul, we didn't talk about that before we got on. Yeah, tomorrow's no. my birthday. I'm turning 22. Uh, feels weird. You know, it's kind of one of those uneventful birthdays. Uh, but yeah, you know, I survived another year. Praise God. Um there's a lot to be thankful for, and that's something that I'm trying to cultivate continuously is just this, this mindset and attitude of thankfulness because um, I, lo- I lose sight of that a lot, and I don't think I'm the only one that does that. But, yeah, been hanging out with Lindsay. Um, that's been amazing. Dude, so we scheduled a whole day to just enjoy the Christmas season. So we called it our Christmas ex- extravaganza. Oh, my gosh. That's and- the corniest thing I've ever heard. I love Bro, it. I, love it. I know I it's just I the cheesiest it thing. It, it's Hallmark, bro. And so, yeah, we we made soup, we made cookies, we watched movies, we went and saw Christmas lights, like everything you can think of. Um, it was a blast, and I loved it, and it was just just a good time together. But yeah, I would say that's me. Um, mm. Just playing low currently, yeah. Paul. Brother. We heard from you somewhat recently, but fill us in since yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember what I said about, like, actually about me in the last two things I've done on my own. Um, but I also survived a semester. I said I'm seven-eighths of the way through my undergraduate degree, but I'd say I'm about 15 sixteenths of the way through the academic part. Um, this coming semester is really just a couple classes that I needed to finish up that are not going to be difficult, Lord willing. Um, in comparison to what I faced this last semester. And uh, so the realness right now is focusing on graduate school, what the heck my next steps are, transitioning from working this coming summer at Canacook all summer to going straight to a graduate school, figuring out where I'm going, what dates I need to be where. It's been pretty awesome. Um, so we're working on that. That's in the, in the, in the works. And on top of that, uh, trying to stay faithful and taking care of my body and participating in my sport and uh, running circles has been a joy. Uh, doing it alongside the right people really matters. And I would say in this season of life, my eyes have been opened even more that I'm around the people I need to be around consistently. So my community has been real community and has been fulfilling and has been exciting. And all semester, it has been just the best group of people I could ever ask to spend time with consistently have been my best friends. And mm. so it's it's been so sweet. I mean, just the way the Lord ran in FCA this semester and and in my Bible study and in all these things, I just absolutely reverent. I mean, unworthy of like what what I got to be a part of and uh, wow, it is, that's kind of the word to sum it up is wow. And this semester was incredible. I made the great escape 
in one of my classes. I mean, I was, I, t- I was taking advanced nutrition. It's a 4,800-level 4, nutrition course, the hardest at UCM. And there were 22 people in it, I think. And there were three Bs, and I was one of them. And I'd never gotten a C in my life. So I was mm-hmm. absolutely sweat zone trying to so. trying to get that done. Uh, but by God's grace, I mean, I learned some stuff and got out of there with what I with what I desired for my transcripts to look pretty. Um, so... Yeah, nothing but ups for me, really. Uh, the Lord has been using um, some things recently to to testify trust Him, to test my contentment, to test if I'm going to idolize somebody in my life or in what they think of me or if I'm going to continue to pursue the throne and, and allow that to take charge. So that's been, I mean, just for the best semester of my college career. They keep topping each other one after the other. And... Um, just super thankful for all everything going on right now and the fact that we're right here right now having this is just it's just exactly what a guy needs holy cow hmm Hmm. so wasting no time none because you're here and i know it's intimidating when you click on a podcast it's like 50 plus minutes so we'll see um but hopefully like it's enough to stick around so we have been as you saw in the title battle ready um, is our journey through Ephesians just some just some flawed submitted college students talking about Ephesians some guys that love each other talking about the book of Ephesians and seeing what um, how this book is cross referenced what it's saying uh, for our age group and for others and and just uh, what it has to offer and so we stopped at verse six of chapter three. Um, and so we're going to be doing verses 7 through 13, as you probably saw when you clicked on the episode, uh, to give a little a little bit before Daniel prays over the scripture and we just dive right in. Um, I So Paul is basically laying out um, throughout this book, as we kind of catch back up, um, the mystery of the gospel, the value of grace, the working of the spirit, how do we live um, in a way alongside others as Christians, and among other things, he's, he's giving the church of Ephesus the, by the Holy Spirit, giving them the instruction they need, one would say, and mm. to, to be in the light, to understand how to be in the light and to help others do the same. So, um, yeah, he had just mentioned in verses one through six, uh, of his stewardship of God's grace and the revelation he experienced, um, in the mystery of the gospel and how that overflows. We good? Yeah, we are now. I couldn't hear you for a second. Yeah, I'd say I, I cut out. I think I need to make sure to move my mouse every once in a while. All right, we are flawed. Technical difficulties, but... All good. We're good. Here we are. Come on, I'll cut that out. Post-processing is a thing. Anywho, um, Daniel, if you would, please pray over Ephesians 3, 7 through 13 and the other scriptures that we're going to be diving into. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Lord, I plead before you with my brother Paul and whoever's listening that you would get your glory through this. God, I pray that our words would be reflective of the work that you've done in our lives. And I ask that we would just make much of, of that work, of that grace, of that mercy that you have showed us and continue to show us through our day to day. God, as Paul just said, and as it's very evident, we are we are broken, we are fallen people. God, yet you continue to pursue us. You leave the 99 and you chase after us, Lord. And we praise you for that, God. Tonight, I pray as we go through Ephesians 3, 7 through 13, that you would just speak life, that you would speak resurrection, that you would speak power and grace and mercy through what we'll be diving into. God, I ask that the gospel will be clear that everyone that listens to this podcast would know the name of Jesus, that you sent your only son to die the death that we deserve so that we may be with you again in eternal life. God, I pray that that would be made abundantly clear. Lord, because if we're not talking about that, we're not talking about anything worth mentioning. God, we love you. We praise you. Get your glory in this place. In your name. Amen. Mm. Come on. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then you're going to kick us off. Is that cool? Knock it out. Come on. 
Alrighty, Ephesians 3, 7 through 13. I'm reading out of ESV. Um, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he is realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Hmm. That's good. So like we've been doing with the last couple episodes uh, while we've been in this series, we're just conti- going to continue to break down uh, this passage verse by verse. Uh, so yeah, I think doing this effectively really paints a very, very broad picture of what Paul is talking about, but it also includes the little details. You know, you get the little things, the backstory uh, when you study scripture this way. And so that's sort of the reasoning behind what we're doing here. But yeah, so we start, we're starting in verse 7, right? So of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power, right? So the big thing that stuck out to me there, and I try and try and find things that stick out to me while I'm studying God's word. And when Paul says that this is a gift, that it was given to him by the working of his power, that really stuck out to me because when he says it was given to me, that points back to this this mystery, this knowledge of the gospel that Paul's writing about here as not being something that Paul earned or worked for in any sort of way. It was revealed to him. Christianity is referred to as a revealed faith, not a learned faith, right? Christianity and living for Christ is not something that, you know, you you learn about and then, you know, make this decision because after that point, like someone else could just come along and talk you right out of it. That's why the, you know, the evangelism, you know, standpoint of, oh, I'm just going to convince someone into faith. It doesn't work. It takes legitimate movement of the Holy Spirit in one's heart to soften it mm. and point one towards the revelation that we are sinful people, that we have stepped away from our creator and that we need a savior who is Jesus Christ to save us from the separation that we have earned from God which is really what Paul's getting at here in this in this short sentence. He's saying none of this, none of this, you know, this ap- apostolic prowess that Paul has has anything to do with himself. Hmm. And we'll talk about that more in the next verse. But yeah, Paul, you got anything on verse 7, man? Uh, yeah, simply um, about what you were saying that this is, I mean, Paul writes in a, in his first letter to Thessalonica, like, that he was approved by God for the stewardship of his grace and that it was all by God. Like nothing that Paul has done other than submit and desire has come from Paul. Right. That his entire apostolic authority and his entire ministry has come by the grace of God. Mm. That's all I got. Keep moving. I love it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, verse 8, chugging right along. Um, to me, though I'm the very least... Of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I just want—not my main point, but something I just want to want to pause on—is Paul considers this opportunity to preach to the Gentiles about the riches that are found in Christ as a gift. It's a—it's grace. It's something that he's not worthy of, and so that's the big point here. He's though he's saying, "I'm the very least of these." These being the other apostles, uh, the disciples who were then sent out to evangelize and tell of what Christ did um, with his life, death, and resurrection, and then ascension to the right hand of God. Um, Paul's saying that he has no business doing this, and he's not wrong. When you look at Paul's history, right, what you see is a person who had this very strong zeal for you know, the Jewish religion, but out of that zeal was one who persecuted those who were the followers of the way, you know, the early Christians and persecuted them to the point of death. Um, it says, you know, it was, he was there when Stephen was stoned and hmm. just 
a person that was really working against Christ's mission here to the point where on the road to Damascus, is that right, Paul? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jesus confronts him. He says, why are you persecuting me? And that's the thing, because mm-hmm. Paul was. And so the very person who was persecuting Christ, who was killing his followers, is now being used to spread the very message that he was working against. Mm. That is called grace, right? Paul is not being dealt with in accordance to his actions. He's being given grace, right? He's being given an opportunity, not because he's earned it, but because that's who his father is. Hmm. Right. And so just picture this. This is something I was reading the other day from a theologian much wiser than myself. And he was writing about how, you know, we think of Paul, right? As he walks through the gates of heaven, he's greeted by the very people who are celebrating with him, the very people who he persecuted and helped kill, you know, in the early church. Those are the very people who are who are seeing him now glorified in Christ in heaven. Hmm. And they're celebrating with him, hmm. <laughs> right? And so so th- think of this, you know, if you ever have these thoughts that, ah, I don't know if God can forgive me for this. I don't know if, you know, there's any coming back. I've made this mistake. I can't, I can't come back. Paul was killing people who were directly influencing the early church right after Jesus's death. Hmm. And he also beca- went on to write most of the New Testament and became arguably the greatest and like person who had the most influence, the greatest apostle um, of, you know, the new Testament of the early church. That's grace. That's who our God is. And that's why it's such a big thing. There's no too far gone. You know, we're invited back in, we're invited back into the home. And it's the same as the prodigal son story. You know, the son leaves his father. We leave our father. But we're invited back in time and time again as he chases after us, bringing us closer than we ever were before. Hmm. Verse 8. Verse 8. Hold Lots there. of depth there. Paul, I know, yeah. you, I know you've got some good stuff on this. Dude, I was going to say, it's if you need a picture of the gospel outside of literally the story of Jesus, this is a picture of the gospel working in a life hmm. that that Paul now has this new identity, has been renewed, as we see in so many scriptures, as in um, Titus 3, 3-6, Ephesians 4-23, 2 Corinthians uh, 4-16, Ezekiel 36-26, Romans 12-1-2, there's more that, that mention renewal, that mention the idea that you are no longer, like Paul talks about in Galatians 2, right? You're crucified with Christ. It is no longer even himself that lives, but Christ who lives in him. So we are yes. completely made new. And this is evidence of that, that Paul has a stewardship of grace, has an apostolic authority, has um, is not held down by who he was before uh, because of the grace of Jesus. And not only is he forgiven from those things, but he's given a platform to to go and to to minister, that, that he has given this newness of heart and of life to go forth and become influential for the sake of Jesus. And and it's like, if anybody has a resume that's like, this guy's too far gone in the Bible, basically, I mean, outside of like Herod, I don't know, like there's a couple people that you could think of that are pretty crooked. Um, but Paul is one of them. Like the head persecutor of Christians. Like, and then he became that himself and became a leader among those people, which is so yeah. crazy. That is the grace. That is the gospel. That's all mm. I got. That's real good. That's real good. Mm. Yeah. Chugging right along. Verse nine. Let's go. This is the best. This is the fastest we've worked through, but it feels good. You know, this is real good. I think we're all going on a good pace. Let's right go. Now. Come on. Yeah. So. Paul, he's talking about preaching to the Gentiles. It's a grace given, right? That he's talking about the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring light to, excuse me, and to bring light, bring to light, oh, there it is, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is, we're getting into the depths here. I like this. And so Paul here, he's testifying to the truth that Jesus was the plan from the very beginning. Come on. Right? He's talking about a mystery that was hidden for ages, 
right? No one knew what was going to happen. But through the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, we see a redemptive arc, right? Paul was just talking about redemption, right? Here's the thing. Time and time again, what do we see, right? As soon as the Israelites leave Egypt, they are out in the wilderness. Boom, they stray away from God. They start questioning him. What does he do? He brings them back. He gives them the Ten Commandments. Boom, what do they do? Golden calf, right? They stray away from him. Stray away from him. Idolatry. He brings them back. Boom. They continue to worship other gods. They marry foreigners, which they're forbidden to do so. Um, time and time again, they break the covenant that God has made with them. The covenant just means it's like an official agreement, right? It's like kind of like a do- signing a document, like a contract. And time and time again, boom. Redemption. 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 And all throughout the Bible, you see this redemptive act, all of it leading to and culminating in Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate redemptive story. Like that's where it all that's where it all comes to. He is the spotless lamb, the one who needed to be sacrificed. And so I, if you listen to the last about Genesis chapter Genesis, ooh, is it fifteen, I think? What's the I topic? say it's Genesis fifteen. Um, and the covenant that I don't know if it's fifteen. Early in Genesis, when God makes a covenant with Abraham, and hmm. he, being God, upholds both ends of that covenant, we see that covenant being fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is redeeming the Israelites, God's people, who have strayed away time and time again. You and I, straight away. Time and time again, all of this being the mystery, it's been hidden for ages. No one knew it was going to play out like this, even though it was prophesied over and over and over again throughout the Hebrew Bible. Boom, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, coming, living the perfect life that we can't live on our own, dying the death that we have earned by straying away from God, by sinning, rising from death, showing that he has power over the grave, over sin, over death, and then rising to the right hand of God and pleading our case before him. It's called He's called the intercessor, right? It just means that he is pleading on our behalf, saying, God, look at them. Father, look at them. They are covered in my blood. They are counted as righteous because of my blood, because I died for them. Hmm. That's the gospel. That's, that's the mystery. <laughs> that's what it is right here. This is what Paul is trying to explain to the church in Ephesus. Hmm. That's that's so good because, like, this mystery as we as we are as we continue to move through verses, um, we're gonna hear about the mystery and like the Lord's wisdom in doing so. But part of this mystery was that um, after it was revealed that like Christ had died for the sake of His people in order to bring the second covenant, etc. Um, there was a, some blurred lines in Jews and Gentiles and who was saved and, um, et cetera. And Paul, um, was the first alongside Barnabas in Acts 13 to minister to the Gentiles to, that this grace would be offered to them. And that was by revelation of the spirit that the Lord put it on his heart to minister to the Gentiles, that they were offered the same grace. And so Paul talking about this mystery, that is part of it, that, like not only um, was this guy given an authority to to minister, but he was given a divine authority that was very unique to minister specifically to Gentiles at that time, uh, which was which is so cool. And so I don't have much to add uh, because you're incredible. Uh, but that is that is part of this mystery was that he, um, as you can read in Acts thirteen and fourteen, like this. Uh, by because the, the the Jews were neglecting the grace of Jesus, Paul was then convicted to minister to the Gentiles and changed our lives forever. Hmm. Come on, that's real good. Keep that's chugging, baby. Yeah, continuing on with you know that that keyword mystery. Um, we're gonna we're gonna continue on with that. So in verse ten, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities. In the heavenly places. This is a very interesting verse, and I would invite you to highlight it, underline it, and do some of your own research because it's pretty pretty nuanced. There's layers to this verse. Um, it's a really cool one. 
And so, yeah, something that I honed in on was heavenly places. That kind of threw me for a loop for a second. I was like, is this talking about heaven? Like, what are, what are we talking about here? And so what this verse is saying is that the angels are glorifying God more. They're glorifying him more because they're understanding him more because they are now being revealed the wisdom of God that is in Christ. They're seeing how God is redeeming the Israelites, redeeming people, now the Gentiles, through Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. They're they're, you know, the heavenlies, you know, people that are in heaven are watching this play out and glorifying God all the more because they're like, just just think about it for a second. They're just they're up there glorifying God, watching this play out, and they're just like, I didn't think it could get any better. I didn't think God could do or craft anything more beautifully, more masterfully. And he just continues to reprove himself over and over and over again Hmm. as the grand designer, as a great painter, as an orchestrator, you know, all of the, all of the words. Um, And so a verse, I, a few verses I have that go with this is uh, first Peter one, 10 through 12. Uh, These, these verses are very similar. Peter's saying, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So he's talking about the prophets who were saying, like, okay, there's the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of Man, who will come, right, and free the Jews. And then he's talking about, we don't know when this is going to happen. They didn't know when that was going to happen. It was revealed. Jesus was revealed to them that they were serving not to themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So he's talking about the angels looking on as all of this is playing out as the Bible is culminating as the pinnacle is happening in Jesus Christ. And the angels are just like, there's literally, it talks about almost some jealousy here where the angels are like, man, like I wish I would have gotten to experience that being there, seeing Jesus face to face while he was on earth, watching him go throughout impact, work miracles, teach all of these things, all of it's being revealed. All of the Bible is being revealed in this in this gospel, in this God made man. Hmm. And, and that's the mystery. That's what we're, that's what we're diving into here. It's been the master plan from the very beginning. I'm going to pause there because we're going to continue diving to dive into that. in you know, subsequent verses, Paul, you want to take yes, it off there? Absolutely. So, um, gosh, that's incredible. So the Lord, um, right. The wording, uh, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers, authorities, and heavenly places. Um, so through the church, through God's people, as in the lowercase c church, through God's people, he would be educating and revealing to the angels. And which is like a wild concept, but you, you see it in, in multiple places in scripture, many places in scripture. One that I could pull from is in First Thessalonians. Um, I would encourage you to study it for yourself that that by the things he does in our lives here, he educates or or um, adorns himself or whatever he desires to the angels, which is so cool. And so like through his people, God is is making known his wisdom because this story is so grand and so divine and was written so intricately, perfectly and unique that you couldn't help but just be reverent of a God that is just incredible. And so um, God literally utilizes this story in order to make himself look amazing, which he's every bit deserving of. That's all I got. Yeah, I like what you said there. You know, when you dive into the Old Testament and you see sort of the path that God has been forming, leading to Jesus Christ. You can't help, like you said, but to be in awe. Hmm. Just, wow, what a beautiful plan. What a beautiful arc this has been and continues to be. You know, like, but this plays out in in your life, in my life, in Paul's life. Hmm. 
you know, Paul and I, when, you know, we're just talking and reflecting on the ways that God has been faithful and the things that he has brought us through, it forms again this beautiful path, all of it leading to Jesus Christ and then how he shapes our lives after the relationship with him starts. It's this beautiful thing, and it's the gospel playing out in my life, in your life, in his life. It's the same thing. It's beautiful. And so, yeah, moving right along to verse 11. Um, i to find it. There it is. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hmm. This is cool. So the eternal purpose, right? God is getting his glory through his creation. Ultimately, the, the point here, all of this is for God's glory. God is one who is completely perfect, completely good, completely powerful, one who is entirely worthy of worship, of glory, right? And this might sound, you know, like transparency. Early on in, in my faith journey, I was like, this sounds really conceited. And... Here's why I was humanizing God. I was putting, you know, a human in his place. Because the thing is, when it's a it's a normal person, if I say I'm putting Paul on that throne, it is conceited because Paul is not worthy of my worship. Paul is not perfect. Paul is not all powerful. Paul is not all good. And he'll be the first one to tell you all these things. Truly. But when I put God on that throne, who completely fulfills all of these qualities, he is eternally and entirely worthy of my worship. Hmm. And and that's it right there. So this is not a selfish or self-glorifying motive in the way we, that we think of the proud man showing his brains and accomplishments to everyone. Right? God does this, this being the gospel narrative, this being working in our lives, this being creation in general, for the glory of his creatures, because the glory of the creature is directly connected to the glory of the creator. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to repeat that. These aren't my words. These aren't my words. These are from people who are much wiser than me. His creatures, his creation, because the glory of the creature, of the creation, is directly connected to the glory of the creator. Right? So when you are on a... I, this is speaking from personal experiences, when you're on a cliff and watching a sunset or a sunrise or just looking out upon nature and creation, and you're, you you get this feeling of, wow, it's, it's awe-inspiring. It's awesome in every sense of the word. That sense of glory that you're experiencing ultimately is connected to the glory of the one who created that who created you, who created the trees, the, you know, the sunset, the scenery that you're looking at, that glory belongs to God, the one who created it. Just like an artist is praised for their artwork, God is praised for all of creation because it's his. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that, so not only is he praised for like what he creates and what he provides, but the story of Jesus on its own is, and, and it's elaborate, like the elaborate loving story of Jesus Christ on this earth. And the prophecies like, um, affir like, uh, affirming him, I would say, um, these things is the greatest example of God's wisdom how everything so perfectly entwined and unrepeatable um you cannot recreate this story and it was so divine uh that Jesus is the ideal example of this right the eternal purpose that he's realized in Christ Jesus um and so it's it's just important for us to realize like everything that went into the story that like it's not like uh, the story of Jesus. If anybody knows anything about the 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 factual references behind um, the Old Testament and the New Testament and and the story of Jesus and how he was literally a historical figure, whether you believe he was divine or not, he did exist. And just the the prophecies alone that came before Jesus that led people to initially think he would be a Messiah. 
He would be the Messiah that they were waiting for. Just those prophecies alone being completed as intricately as they were, the odds of that being calculated loosely by people are some of the most like one in quintillion-esque odds you you will ever see. And so it's important for us to realize that not only was Jesus some divine story character, he was a historical figure, and God has written a story to 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 bring that to um, to manifestation the same way that he continues to write our stories. And so the same God who is of manifold wisdom and, and caused all these things that we get the pleasure of him speaking to us through them in this word is doing those things in our lives. So for us to realize that we are loved the same way these people were, and he continue he's not a God that is that is not going to complete a work, right? He's not he's uh, he is going to complete everything he begins. And, and you were a thought so long before you were born. You were, you were loved so long before you were named. And, and mm-hmm. so like we are part of that divine story and we are made one of one to fit into the story the Lord is writing for us. If we can, you know, swallow our pride and put ourselves aside. Mm. that's really good that's really good yeah verse 12 in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him here's what we're getting at right here this is sort of the the outcome the result of the ascension of christ we now have a person being our advocate or if you want to use the fancy word interceding on our behalf Hmm. to god so now from this we can have a boldness and a confidence to approach the throne knowing that when god looks at me when god looks at paul when god looks at anyone who has professed a faith in Jesus Christ. He doesn't see the sin. He doesn't see shame. He doesn't see disappointment. Here's what he sees. He sees his beautiful creation who has been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, who has been made new, like Paul was saying earlier, who is walking as the temple of the living God, who carries around the spirit of Jesus Christ in them, who is convicting them, who is leading them, who is empowering them. All of these, all of these things are coming from the ascension of Jesus Christ. And here's the biggest thing too is access, right? At the end of Matthew, um, in Matthew 27, I want to say, maybe 26, um, the veil is torn. And the veil is a very long, piece of cloth that's very ornate that was hung between the Holy of Holies, which is a place where only the high priest could enter once a year to be with the presence of God. The Old Testament says a cloud would descend and the priest, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies and commune with the Lord, right? And so the veil separated that place from the the next layer of the temple or the tabernacle if you're in the Old Testament. And so this is torn, signifying that there is no longer this need for separation of man and God. Because now the one true son, the one king, the one Messiah, the living God is now standing in that gap. He bridges it and is serving as our advocate, as our high priest. He is the one who is now entering that holy place for us, showing that there's no longer a need for this high priest. We have one eternally in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm, that's so fire. You got my heart rate going, dude. And and this, oh gosh, Hebrews 10 says that we have been, we, we can draw near with confidence to the throne because we have been sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. That not only 
did he write this incredible, intricate story around who Jesus is, but we can draw near to him personally because of the grace of Jesus. And 1 Timothy 1.7 says, um, For God uh, gave us a spirit not of uh, fear, but of power and love and self-control. Mm. And and that spirit, that whether we choose to live in it daily or not, we could still have fear if we walk apart from the Lord or if we attempt to walk apart from the Lord, if we try to write our own story. Uh, but we have been given the opportunity by the blood of Jesus to draw near, to experience a, to experience a, a unexplainable joy, right? An uncomparable joy. Philippians 4 um, talks about the peace that is offered. And so if we choose to draw near with the opportunity we've been given, like that, there is nothing more fulfilling, nothing more peaceful than just drawing near to Jesus in the grace we've been offered. The invitation Mm. is open. (laughs) What is our response? Mm. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Circling back through that Romans five, one through two, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's confidence. There's access. There's a boldness. As we have been justified, as we have peace with God, the debt has been paid. There is now peace with God. Love that. Mm. That's good. Yeah. So finishing, finishing her up with this section. Um, verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So interesting, interesting sentence here. It can, it can be confusing. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So ultimately, Paul is suffering for the church that he is pursuing, that he is ministering to for their glory, right? And so their glory, didn't we just talk about how, you know, we're not worthy of glory? Yes, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When this church, Ephesus, is being built up, when the believers therein are being built up, as is their glory, because ultimately, like we just talked about in verse 11, their glory is is ultimately connected with the glory of the creator as they are walking in and building this church. The glorious God's all. It's entirely God's glory. And here's the thing. I kind of wrote down on my notes, like, why is the goat suffering? Which I thought was funny. You you might not. I don't know. Hmm. But here's the thing. Why does anyone suffer? James, one, two through three. This is our theme verse for the Pure Joy Project. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. He's continuing. He being Paul is continuing to grow in faith as he is experiencing trials of all kinds. In this case, he's in prison, chained to a Roman guard, which we talked about in the first episode. should check that one out. Um, And then the next verse that I had for this was John 15. 18 and 19. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus Jesus here is saying that you're going to be hated. You should be hated because if you're not hated, it means the world accepts you because you're just like it. Hmm. We are called to be different. Brothers and sisters, in the faith. If you are not different from the world, if there's not something different about you, there's a serious problem. Just just to be super blunt, and I don't say this out of condemnation, I say this because I want more for you, and I want more for myself, because this is something I have to remind myself of too. If I am not noticeably different, I am not living a life that is more reflective of the grace that I've been shown and the God that I claim to worship than everything else that is going on around me, there's a serious issue because I can only worship one thing. I can't worship God and the world at the same time. The Bible says you can't worship God and money. 
But you can take that and apply it to anything. You can't worship God and sex. You can't worship God and promotion and work and you know mm-hmm. power and social standing and popularity, good grades, athleticism, like all of it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else that can take God's place and ultimately leave you fulfilled. You can only worship one thing. Mm-hmm. So I ask you, what are you worshiping? Mm-hmm. And what is showing out of that worship? Is it clear if you claim to be a Christian that you are a Christian? Because if it's not, then there's there's an issue. Mm-hmm. And I pray that the, the Holy Spirit would convict you of, the, of that and draw you nearer to the throne to repent and walk more closely with Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, you know, path. And I've, I've walked it. Like I've been on both sides of this Mm. and like, that's, it's not something that I'm ashamed of. It's part of my story. You know, this is where God has brought me. And I know it's part of your story too. It's part of Paul's story. Well, you you should have seen us in high school. We're just, prideful messes we still are at times and truly yeah it it was wild but (laughs) conviction repentance and faithfulness Hmm. not on our end but on christ faithful to continue to convict and lead us and guide us out of our sin and out of our our gunk into freedom into glory into a more fulfilling life with our creator. Hmm. That is not to say that you should be hated by everybody. (laughs) That is to say that the lustful, indulgent nature of the world should contrast with you. So somebody who is living in that should probably not be your circle. Should definitely not be your circle. uh, To put it that way. So, right... When it comes to the talk of glory in this in these people in the people of Ephesus, he says that um, where's the exact? Oh, I'm in Second Corinthians right now. I don't even have the scripture open because I'm about to reference something. Um, but he talks about like for their glory, he is suffering for their glory. Um, so we are raised in glory with Jesus by grace. Um, so he came down uh, from the throne, from from eternal glory, to walk alongside us, even lower himself. Right, even the son of, the son of man came um, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, um, and to raise us in glory with him when that time is to come. And so Paul is laboring. He says Paul writes in Second Corinthians twelve fifteen. Um, he is. Uh, most gla- he will most gladly spend and be spent for the sake of souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less, he says. And so Paul is laboring and suffering for the sake of the souls and the glory of other people. And that is something that I've prayed over myself so much, and I continue to. Just Second Corinthians 12 as a whole, but especially this reference, that am I willing to give my energy and to give my resources for the sake of somebody else's soul? Not for anything in return for me, but simply for the sake, or not simply, for the sake of somebody else's soul. Will I pour out myself for somebody else to be raised in glory with Jesus? And this fruit is not guaranteed, but the faithfulness is rewarded in my feeling, in my, in my living, in my joy. And so, I guess, to go alongside Daniel, I do want to ask where, if you are lacking fulfillment, if you feel ugly inside, if you, if you, something's a little off, the first thing that needs to be checked is, are you living differently than the world? Or are you just going through the motions to be like everyone else? To fit a certain persona, you've been you've been put through a university to fit, right? Your whole life has probably been, the world has tried to put you through an educational experience of, you should look like this. You should be Harry Styles. I don't know. <laughs> but just as it's really sour, adequate, inadequate example. But like, are you, do you look different than the world? Because if you don't, 
and by this I mean I I rebuttal the the in lustful indulgent part of the world the as the Bible refers to the world which are the things apart from Christ the things apart from God are do you look different than them are you one of them have you softened the gospel and the grace you've been offered the power or the spirit of power you have have you softened it in order to just be like everyone else and if so, that is where your lack of fulfillment is stemming from. Is a lack of the utilization of the grace that Jesus has given you to go forth and spend and be spent for the sake of souls. Yeesh! Mm. That's, That's really all good. I got, man. <laughs> One technical Ugh. difficulty and a lot of praise later. Yeah. Come on. So here's the thing. We say we say all of this and it can sound condemning and harsh and I don't like I don't want to be the one that's going to shy away from the just from the the clear-cut nature, the black and white nature of conviction uh of the gospel. Because I feel like I would be doing everyone, myself, Paul, anyone a disservice by doing so. Um because it's needed, and I don't say any of this to to shame you, uh, and I will not be the first or the last person to cast a stone because I have no business saying, oh, you know, I can't believe you did that. That's awful because I, I know my story, and hmm. I guarantee it's just the same as yours, uh, brokenness and redemption. And, I you know, I, I'm not perfect. I will not be perfect until I'm glorified as I walk through the gates of heaven. But it's a pursuit and it's just a constant cycle of re- just conviction and repentance and then walking on in faith. Hmm. It's a beautiful life. That's a great movie. You should watch it. Hmm. My goodness. Yeah, I... None of this is to place ourselves above you or to right. or to like make you feel worse necessarily, but we have both lived on both sides. Yeah. And even in moments continue to live on both sides. Mm. And and I can tell you there's not a whole lot of things I can tell you conclusively in this world. But I can tell you conclusively which side we are meant to do based solely from the way that it feels and the word of God and what it tells me. I just like we just have to choose to live in the newness we've been offered. Because if we don't, we've then tasted enough of the gospel to know what's right, but not enough to live in it. And that's where your fulfillment is going to be found. That is the joy and purpose that this podcast was started behind. Because doing ministry in the name of Jesus, by his grace that we've been given to steward it, is the greatest feeling this world has to offer. And it comes in all shapes and sizes. And there are all kinds of roles to play in doing it. Hmm. So let's go. Come on. I'm going to pray. God, thank you that your love endures forever. Thank you that you love us so much to continue to pursue us in our lowest. Lord, thank you that you love us enough to not let us stay there. Lord, thank you for the spirit that you give us, that is in us and works through us, that we can do ministry in your name, that we can experience the joy and the peace, and the patience, and all the fruit you have to offer. Lord, I pray for every listener, and for Daniel and myself, and for Bennett, our faithful brother who didn't get to record with us tonight. Um, Lord, that, that you encourage us to walk as you walked, and and that you make us look more like you, that you make our lives reflect you, that it is obvious when people see us, when they hear us, when they interact with us, that we are yours and there is no questioning about it. 
Lord, I just ask that you increase as we decrease in our own lives, as you say in John 3.30. Lord, that we understand and know the truth and allow that to set us free, as you say in John 8. Uh, Lord, that, that we live in the newness that you've offered us, the grace that you've offered us, and we don't hold back from the things that you have offered us. gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, and the gift of faithfulness over everybody hearing these words. Lord, that you help us to discern what is from you and what you desire from us and the way that we should walk and talk. Lord, teach us to dance so we can dance with you. Teach us to do ministry so we can do ministry with you. Teach us to love so we can love alongside you and love you. Lord, I just ask that you bless these words. Um, that you help people to be convicted exactly how they need to be convicted, Lord. Spirit, thank you. Ask that you continue to go before us in all of our ministry and everything we do. Uh, In Jesus' name I pray. Fixed on you. We keep our gaze fixed on.